Welcome to today's Life Coach Pod Show. I'm so happy to have you. I have to tell you about this weekend. It, uh, it, it went by, I know it was Easter and people celebrate Easter. We don't really do Easter in this family, although we are up for any holidays that have to do with candy or presents, so just so we're clear. But uh, normally we would do Passover, but I also didn't do that because it's just two of us and no offense, but that's just not a very fun Seder, but it's just the two of you. So instead, uh, we were on our own as a family. My daughter decided to use her energy to harvest earthworms. That is her harvesting earthworms. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, you are missing a photograph of her tearing up the whole backyard to harvest earthworms. What, you might ask, did she want to do with these earthworms? Well, she is relocating them to dense housing, which is her composter, and has removed them from their luscious lifestyle of living range-free, cage-free, and now they are in her composter. At this point, there has got to be some sort of worm orgy going on because there are a lot of worms in that composter. But uh, also, I wish I could do that. Her position is, I guess, a yoga position that's actually very good for your back, but to me, it just looks like a thigh buster. So there's that. Meanwhile, I'm thinking that one of the things that's driving parents crazy is having the kids in the house. And I often go back to thinking about the days of Laura Ingalls Wilder. Why? Because those are the only books I've ever read about living in the Old West, really. And I realize they live in that one room cabin and probably Mrs. Laura Ingalls' mom didn't have to do a lot of dishes because they only had a few dishes, unlike the shit ton that are sitting out in our kitchen. It's not that we have that many dishes. It's just that it doesn't seem that anybody really wants to ever clean them. And we have to use a dish for everything we eat. So I'm thinking that it's time to get back to old habits. Like in this case, milking cows. Now that's my mom milking a fake cow, but she wanted to show my nephew, whose blue shoe you can see there somewhere in the background, her grandchild, how to milk a cow. And maybe what we all need is cows. And then we could milk them. And then with our homemade bread that so many of us are making, not me, not me, I, that's not going to be my gig, but we could then churn our own butter. We'd have our own buttermilk. Think about it. We've just begun to rally. We're going to have our victory gardens. It's the 1940s all over again. I can't stand it. Okay. So anyway, just to make you think if, if the kids are bored, you're just not putting them to work. I think harvesting earthworms is a very, very regal job and worthy of doing. So start that compost pile, get it going. All right. So today on the show, Motivation Monday. Oh, it's another Monday. It is April 13th. That is a Monday. It is also March 44th. If you're keeping track of the stay-at-home calendar, yes, 44 days. I believe I went in on March 10th. It was the day after the last time we were in court with D'Angelo. Uh, by the way, for anybody curious about that, I'm doing that on the lawyer's daughter, but that thing, that trial, all that activity is slowing down to a slow crawl because courts are essentially closed right now. And I did get a note from our prosecutor that we're pushing out the dates, but I did get some legal stuff from her. So I'll be back to doing the lawyer's daughter very, very soon. It'll be at least interesting to talk about. Meanwhile, I looked at the today's time capsule and tried to find some news that was interesting. And other than the destruction of the postal service, which is just blowing my mind. So the campaign now is, you may or may not know that the Postal Service is not funded by our tax dollars. 
So what's important for you to do is to buy some stamps. Have you not shopped at USPS.com? I don't think that was a sentence I just said. But if you haven't shopped at the USPS.com, you should. I used to shop there all the time. It's super fun. The stamps that they produce are works of art. And I even have some stamp art in my, my house at home. Uh, and I, I'm going to put some up here. Um, because some of the things they create with the artwork that's actually done for the stamps themselves, they create posters, there's other stuff. Any of those things are good and help and generate revenue for the Postal Service, which will keep this administration from shutting it down, which, by the way, is constitutionally illegal. But I don't know who the constitutional police are. And if, we, if you do know, I don't think they're doing their jobs. So just go buy some stamps is all you got to do. It's a good time to send letters and cards and lovey lovey notes to people that you care about and miss and you can have the kids make cards for grandma all those good things buy some stamps instead of looking at the news today i thought i'd share with you a really interesting post that i found this weekend around the pandemic and trauma and there are some people talking about this and i think it's going to be very real and i'm going to read to you what i found here it's from a woman named jennifer yeager I have her link on the slide that I have for this. So if you want to come back on YouTube and look at the slide, you can. I'll also post it to the blog that wraps this today's uh, episode. But I thought it was really good to take a minute to read it to you because I think it's worth taking in and thinking about. First of all, she says, I want to acknowledge that living through this pandemic, pandemic is a trauma. So that what we're going through, even though we are, most of us, very blessed to have our homes and our loved ones, and access to technology and internet and phones and all these things that are making it far less traumatic than it could be, it is still, it still could be perceived as trauma. And so she is a trauma specialist and she wants you to think about the following things, hoping that might be helpful. One, parts of our brain have shut down in order for us to survive. Okay, mine's the happy hour part. I don't know what your part is, but mine's definitely the happy hour part of my brain. Also the productive, corporate employee part is uh, pretty much shut down right now, which is, which is weird. I got so excited last week. I had to proofread a project I had done back in January, but I was so excited to do something that was productive in addition to just doing podcasts and these shows, which I do actually really like, but it's not the same, right? Anyway, parts of our brain have shut down in order for us to survive. Two, as a result, we are not able to full, fully process a lot of what is going on around us other than you know, blowers in the yards, the barking, barking dogs, and the band rehearsing next door. But I feel it for sure when I think of the deaths. Like my brain almost can't take in the deaths from happening from COVID. In fact, today, George Snuffleupagus has, or Stephanopoulos has coronavirus, or I don't know if he's showing symptoms yet, but he's tested positive, and I know that's gonna upset my mom because she loves George Snuffleupagus. So, you kind of can't take that in because then somebody you care about is vulnerable. It's really tough. Feeling somewhat numb and out of touch with our emotions is normal, especially if you've lived through trauma before. So this is really important. Of course, I, a lot of my friends have lived through trauma before. Um, some significant, some very, um, some very, very significant. I mean, huge trauma. So you need to understand that you it might really be much more difficult during these times for people who have been through trauma. So, you know, give them grace, have a heart, listen to them talk. Some people are more apt to feel hypervigilant or anxious, while others become hypoactive or depressed. So the two extremes, right, kind of manic and depressive, except 
not manic depressive, but the idea of super intense and wound up and then super disengaged and depressed. Those are the two things you might see. Neither means anything other than indicating their predisposition to dealing with extreme stress. So I often call that the Stephen King reaction to things is when you are reacting in a way that you can't help it, but it sure seems whack. That's your Stephen King reaction. That's her point. You may be having these reactions. And um, my daughter looked at me the other morning and said, you're going to really need to calm down. So clearly my extroversion was uh, bubbling out of up over the top and out over the edge. So that can happen. In-depth processing of trauma happens years later when we feel, feel emotionally safe to deal with it. Oof, I talk about this one all the time. The time you're most likely to freak out when you're safe. I can't even tell you how many of my friends have said, I don't understand. Why am I losing it right now? Everything's good. And I'm like, because your brain knows everything's good. This is a really safe time for you to lose your shit. So just know that right now you're coping. It seems fine. But later when we're all fine, I think I had my first coronavirus dream this, this weekend. It was the first time I dreamt I had it and it was not pleasant, but it was actually a really calm weekend and I, I did feel safe. So obviously my brain said, okay, go ahead. Let's, let's experiment with this in your subconscious for a little while. So just know when you're the most safest, when you're most likely to have the nightmares, the stress, the weird reactions, there you go. And then finally, in the midst of trauma, by getting by emotionally and functionally is okay. Just getting by is okay. All right, everybody, lower your expectations for yourself and be kind to yourself and others. This is vital. So do I, if I want to get mad at my daughter, I do not. First of all, why am I going to get mad? There's really nothing to get mad about. Seriously, check yourself. Second of all, ease up. I know we're talking about this a lot, but people have kids at home and the kids are losing it too. If you can't do the schoolwork right now, I did a year of homeschooling. It's, you get more schooling at home than you do at school school if you think about it. It's just like at work, you get more work done at home than you do at work. Why? Because you're not talking and getting interrupted and getting sidetracked. So the kids are okay. Have some fun. Let them build a blanket fort, whatever. Make them go out and milk the cow and churn the butter. And of course, there's the earthworms. There's always the earthworms. Anyway, please give each other grace. Give each other, have patience with one another. It's a, it's a ridiculous time and we're probably going to see it again in the fall. So how we do now sets us up for the fall. It's all, this is the new normal, but it's okay. It's really okay. We don't have to accomplish anything huge. All right. There's my speech. That's my soapbox for the day. Kick it back under the table. Today on Motivation Monday, I want to get you started on building your personal brand part two. But what I'd like to do first is tell you with the guests that are coming up. Shelly Carpati and I, Carpati and I used to work together years ago. I call this one job hunting, but I think it's going to end up being a lot about resumes, which is a nice segue after today. Uh, she's a recruiter. She knows what to look for. And I'm very interested to hear in what she's seeing as trends as we get going with, um, with all of us finding new jobs now. Uh, Gloria Nial is going to be here on Wednesday. She is a coach, a real coach, like whole, whole exercise coach, but she coaches teens. And she absolutely understands teens and what motivates them and what doesn't. And she is very good at giving grace because sometimes her teens, typically girls, show up and don't want to cooperate. And then other times they do. And so she's learned to really go with the flow on that. And we'll talk about motivating your teen today and in the future. 
Laurel Sutton will be here to talk about what's in a name. And then Michelle Quay is uh, a very fascinating woman who is both an immigrant and broke, grew up with a, a, a body that wasn't perfect, as they say. And she has this resilience that I can't even explain to you, but she's going to talk about the power of self-perception because that was everything for her. How she perceived herself is what allowed her to, to move forward in the world. And I love her. So she will be here on Friday. All right. So let's talk about building your personal brand part two. Last week in our last episode, we talked about um, your personal mission statement. And I took you through the exercise to do that. You're going to need that for this but not right this minute. Let me tell you how this works. And then when you sit down and have a chance, quite a chance for yourself to work through this, uh, you'll pull that mission statement forward and use it. And this will be, again, this stuff will be in the blog wrapper. So if you're listening right now and just listening to what I'm saying, that's great. And then you can go to the blog and get the tool that I'll give you at the end. But today in work, writing your personal brand plan, the first thing you need to think about, and this was the assignment, the homework over the week, was think about your values. And this is a definitely a life coach angle to pulling together your personal brand, brand plan because it's really important that you do something that matters to you. And here's why. It's gonna motivate you. If you're doing something you hate, or that's going against your values, you're, it's, it's gonna be a struggle. In fact, even clients, it's funny, I coach clients in marketing and they have decided what their brand stands for and it turns out they are absolutely not able to execute against that brand because it's not who they are. And then they wonder why it's not working. The classic, I mean, this is so basic, but classic is they say, you know, we're this extroverted, fun, we like to have fun brand and there's not a fun, well, typically I'm working with engineers. There's not a fun engineer in the bunch. It's led by an engineer. The CEO is an engineer. The salespeople are engineers. They are not typically fun. Oh, they might drink, but they're not fun. So it's really important that you go out with what represents your values, the things that matter most to you, because it's going to fuel you when times are tough, and it's going to give you a purpose and a drive that pursuing things that don't match your values don't do. So. Well, that was a convoluted sentence too, sorry. Anyway, think about your values. What matters most to you? What have you expressed? So sometimes you don't think about it, but actually, you know, Rachel Maddow is always saying, it's not what they say, it's what they do. What is it you do all the time that you maybe haven't even considered that was a value of yours because you just always do it? That's a value. And then think about what you have been compelled to express, but just haven't. Sometimes you're held back. I think listening to Chris's talk last week was a really good example of someone who has a lot to say, but just hadn't gotten to the place of saying it yet. Now she's an advocate for those who also need to find their voice. So that's a really good example of feeling compelled to express something, but just haven't executed on it yet. Now we watch her change and her voice is fantastic and we're so glad to have it. So these are your values. This is gonna be part of the assignment. So think about these values. Now let me share with you the end game, where we're headed, because sometimes it's easier to hear the, the tips and the exercise if you know what the heck you're gonna come out with at the end. Before we get into the details, just know that we're going to give you, at the end, you're going to have this chart you'll fill out as you think about these things that really help you hone, uh, um, articulate the problems that you solve, 
why you're the right person to solve it and proof that you're the right person. But this really will give you then this, this chart. Look at me, I'm putting my hands up like I'm holding a chart. And this thing becomes your, I, I typically will tape it to the wall um, by my desk. And it gives you kind of your Bible for um, knowing how to apply for jobs or express yourself on social media or develop your next project. You start to know who you are and what you stand for because you can look at it because you took the time to articulate it. And that's the real value here. Most of us don't take the time to articulate it. And it doesn't matter if this is just what you want to do with um, in retirement with the projects that you look forward to getting involved with, or if it has to do with job hunting today, or it has to do with the career change. It, maybe it's just how you want it, the kind of parent you want to be. Whatever you want this to be, this becomes your, I would call it a messaging template if I were at work, work. Uh, but this becomes your template for who you are and what you what you want to do. And it helps you keep focusing. So when you, if you get an opportunity and it doesn't match the chart, probably not a good fit. And it's okay not to chase every opportunity. I know that sounds awful, but it really is true. Okay, so let's dig in. You have your mission statement that's going to be at the top of the chart that you'll be able to access at the end. But that would be the first thing that you would use. That's the thing you want to do. If you remember, oh, I have mine over here. Oh, I don't know where it is. But the idea was based on um, the things that you do and the things that you care about and your priorities right now, here's what you're going to do with the skills that you have to do it. That was the mission statement. Now we're going to talk about the problem you solve. And in this case, it could be more than one. And then we're going to look at it from another person's point of view. So here, let me show you how this exercise works. So the problem that you solve, you might think, okay, I just made up three, but let me just give you these three examples. The first would be, let's say, here's the problem I solve. I'm good at assessing medical trauma and I can determine what to do next. Okay, that's cool. That's a great, great problem that you solve. The value in being able to express that to someone else is being able to state it from their point of view. So you could come in and say, you need someone who can move quickly, make fast decisions, and rapidly assess medical trauma. If you get the nuance, essentially now you're saying it from their point of view so that that, nobody cares, I don't mean this in a bad way, but nobody cares about why you're special unless you can make it relevant to them. We talked last week about relationships and how important those are and people trust people. Well, the minute you can speak to their problem in their voice, you connect especially true with people who are looking for folks to solve problems that they have. They want to hear that you can solve that problem. So that's why you want to be able to make this, to be able to transpose this problem that you solve into something, a problem that they have. And that's probably the best way to think of it. Here's the problem I can solve, but here's the problem you have. So let's take the next one for an example. My designs are simple, concise, and creative. I cannot tell you how many times I've had designers tell me that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even be talking to you if that wasn't true. I've looked at your work. I get it. I get it. But I need you to know my problem. And so if you could state it from what my problem is, me being the person who has to acquire the services, my problem is I need a clear business communicator. You might say you're a designer, but I have to be a business communicator who uses design to improve message clarity. Can you, if you can get that nuance there, that shift, because I get it. Your designs are simple, concise, and creative. 
but my problem is I gotta come, I've gotta use your designs to beef up my message. That's, uh, sorry, I can get on the soapbox here about that's often what happens, that's the biggest, one of the most classic mistakes in design, is the designer misunderstands that I don't want them for their pretty art, I want them to help me persuade and influence. If you can solve my problem by having your unique solution, we got a win-win. It's just that much of a pivot, but it's so key. And these are the kind of statements you'll use when you're writing a cover letter or putting out social media messages or whatever you do to market yourself and to and put your, your message out there. So I'll just do the last one because this is kind of another classic. I'm so good at finding the right buyer for your home. Yeah, says everybody. Like, okay, I get it. I mean, I do believe that you have that skill. I absolutely do. But what's important to me right now is I've lived in this house for decades and I just don't want anybody moving in here and just ruining it. So the pivot could be, depending on who you're pitching to, you need a buyer who will love your home as much as you do. I know how to find those people. You've just solved your client, your potential customer's problem. And you're still using the same skill set, the same thing that you're good at, you've changed it to make that pivot to get in their shoes walk a mile in their shoes right that's what you're doing so this is why problems are really important what the problem you solve is really important to take it from their point of view how is it you're going to solve their problem it's a nice map it's just a pivot sometimes it's hard sometimes you've got to ask somebody to help you but the best way to do it the very best way to do it is just pretend you're the buyer of your service and Matt, listen, look at what they wrote in the job description. Look at what they need when they're out um, searching for the right person. Then you can start to address their problem based on your skill set. Okay, so here's another thing that's important in your brand is a set of attributes. And I really argued with myself about which thing to do first, but I don't think it matters. If you do both of these things, identify the problems you solve, but also figure out your attributes. This is really important because you will use this in how you come across. So the attributes are a blend of your skills. I'm a good cook. Your personality. I cook with a smile. And reading the room. And all you guys think that's annoying. So I'm going to dial it down a bit. So get that again. It's the, it's the blend of the skills. So I am a master earthworm uh, farmer your personality, and I don't need company to harvest earthworms. I can do it out here watching Criminal Minds and then a reading of the room. And I'm doing it by myself outside because my mom thinks I'm weird. Yeah. Okay. So that's how it works. You've got to, you, those, those three things together will help you identify um, the skill set, the personality traits, and thinking about it from their perspective, reading the room, using your intuition to make you absolutely delightful and the perfect match. So I, of course, go back and forth between humor, sarcasm, and um, reckless disregard because I'm just, can be such a jackass, but I, that's me. Nah, you're going to love me or leave me, right? That's how it goes. But, but I feel like one of my biggest attributes is being able to take complicated subjects and make them simple and easy to understand. So I do that, of course, with a bit of a reverence and um, a little bit of uh, obsessive, compulsive 
extroversion. But that's, and then I read the room and go, and not today, Jen, you're going to need to take a walk or go play by yourself. Because sometimes I'm just too much for the room. So those are what you want to assemble together to figure out if you're the right person. Because again, it's okay to be the wrong person. It's okay for people not to like you or not want you. You are who you are. Don't fight that. Now the hardest part. Actually, it's not the hardest part for some people. This is actually the part that they like the most, depending on how you roll. This is the proof. So you know what you can do. And this is where everybody goes, but my resume, but my resume. No offense, but everybody has a resume. And I know as a hiring manager or someone out there looking at people's credentials, meh, everybody has credentials. That's fine. The power of credentials are when you use it as proof. This is a huge thing in sales. It's when you make a statement or an assertion, you have to be able to back it up. You have to prove that it's true, that your assertion isn't just a big, you know, pile of what. Um, and so that's where proof comes in. And there are three kinds of proof, three giant buckets of proof. The first is data. I've done this many. I've managed this much budget. I've touched this many lives. I've saved this many lives. I've um, grown this many varieties. Whatever that is, data is one big bucket. Um, I'm, I'm better than him because of these statistics. So it's using the data. I know that's a big comfort zone for a lot of people, but it's legit and it's important. And almost all of us should have data that, that it exists. And if you are struggling with the data to provide, to prove that what you do is good, you need to start Googling and look at what other people have done. Just start going to see how other people prove it. Put in proof. Uh, put in marketing proof. That's you. If you put in marketing proof, you'll probably get some really good examples of how marketers prove things. The next is testimonials. This is again the giant pot of all the things like client lists who you've done work for before. Who else has bet on you? Um, quotes. What have people said about you? Uh, endorsements. Oh my God, I have endorsements on LinkedIn. Ask people for endorsements if you're on LinkedIn. Those are really important because it shows other people have bet their money on you. Uh, memberships. I Let me prove to you I'm part of it. I actually belong to the society or I've been uh, got these degrees or awards. Um, I, I hung my hat on being a platinum blogger for Cisco for the longest time. I mean, I was really proud of it because I don't tend to win awards because I'm a gig worker who's not really anywhere permanent, but I was so flattered they gave it to a gig worker and I felt so good. That was their highest award, a blogger for Cisco. I was so excited. Um, talk about being able to know how to take complicated things and make it easy to understand. That was a job. But the point is an award. That's another way to show that you've got proof. And then finally, visual proof. Bring the pictures. They can be photos. It can be demonstrations. There's some cool stuff happening out there. Uh, where people are showing you how they do a one of those. So that's proof. That proves you know how to do it. That's a really great way to do it. If you are the kind of person who needs to show and not tell, start doing it. It is so easy to record a YouTube video. And then you can point to that whenever you want to say, hey, this is some proof. So, okay, that's, I gave, there's so many things here, but this is how to think about you. This is all about you as a brand. You, you the person listening to this right now, now you want to assemble this into that template I said that you can complete, um, and I'll put this in the blog. Here's the template. This is this ghastly PowerPoint page that I have used so many times in my life as a marketing person. 
it looks a little differently when I do it, a little different for when I do it for a corporation. I kind of jam some things together here to make this for just people. But really what you want to have here is your mission statement. So you can remember what it is, your purpose. And remember, mission statements can change, but right now your current mission statement. Then you want to have your values. Those things are likely not to change unless you have a period of self-discovery or something in your life really um, moves you to make a big change. Values tend to kind of be um, much more enduring. Then you'll have your attributes. I'm charming, I'm extroverted, I'm creative, I'm articulate, if I'm sober, whatever those attributes are, you wanna have your attributes listed. And then the problems that you solve, and I did make this multiple, you may have more than one problem that you solve, chances are you do, but then I wanna make sure that you also write it from their point of view. Now, whatever your circumstances where you need to get somebody's attention as the, the, as the person who can solve their problem, you might have to just take that moment and write the problem from their point of view, but make sure you speak to them in that way, that you say, you have this problem and here's what I can do and here's the proof. And that's what's in the green bars below. You can write down the problem and then put in those green bars, what is the data, the testimonial, or the visuals that support that. And you may have, I'd love to see you get a little bit in each category, but it may work that you just have more in one and less in the other, depending on how, what it is about yourself that you're putting out there. This is a really easy way. Then, then if you can print, I can't print where I am right now, but if you can print, then print that sucker and put it on the wall so you remember these things. So it keeps your focus. It's really easy to jump into things that may not be where you are going to be happy. So use this as the thing that helps you focus. This might help you target where you want to be more specifically now that you've gotten really clear what it is you care about. So, um, so that's, the, that's the exercise. It'll all be in the blog. So you can go do this on your own. You have your own time. And I want you to be inspired and I want you to be successful. And Shelly will be here tomorrow and I think she'll help us figure out how to take this into resumes. Also, I'm going to ask her some questions about LinkedIn as well, because she does a lot on LinkedIn, and that's a good place for people who are job hunting. If you're doing other things, this is still a great exercise for building your personal brand. I'm going to open the phone lines in case there are any questions. Please jump in. Everybody's having their lunch. Hey, Jen. Would this be... Um Something that you could also kind of use as your, you know, I don't know what they call it now, but quotation marks, the elevator speech kind of thing? Yes. In fact, yes, that's really good. And maybe I'll go back and add that to this um, statement because uh, to the, the chart, because really once you get these things clarified, you should be able to articulate in, in an elevator speech, which for those of you who are not marketing people is really your way of describing why you're doing what you're doing in about in, in the length of time it would take you to ride an elevator. That's what it came from. You just walk into an elevator and says, oh, hi, nice to meet you. What do you do? Boom. You have basically 10 seconds is the rule and, and faster if possible to spit out what you do. And so I know, Chris, with what you're doing, you're getting, you're working on your elevator pitch, right? Like, how do I say what I do really quickly? Yes, definitely. And where it has the most impact and they can get my, who I am at the same time as what I'm doing. You should, between your mission statement and the problems you solve, it should be able to be pretty easy to get to that elevator pitch. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy because it takes work. You just winnow and winnow and winnow those words to get them to all matter. 
but it will help you do it. It'll help make it much easier task. So can we, okay, so I might be taking advantage of your expertise here, but if we wrote something up, can we send it to you to have your eyes on it? Oh, heck yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to. Yes, absolutely. Let me know. I would love to look at it because sometimes um, it just, heck, it's always good to get other people's points of view anyway, not just mine, but anybody's because it's really easy that we're so clear. I do this all the time and I don't know if it's a function of being older or what, but I keep assuming people know what I'm talking about. And so I jump in mid sentence or mid thought and didn't, and don't take the time to back up and really provide the context or, you know, lay the groundwork for where I'm going. So absolutely always share those things, especially with people who may not be listening to you practice at home. <laughs> like, so that, because the people at home are going to know your story, but the people outside, like me looking at what you're doing, yeah, that's good. But if I run it by my mom who doesn't know what you're doing and she gets it, I always use the mom test. Like it, always ask a parent or somebody because they're the ones who are the first one to go, what are you talking about? That's not how my mom sounds. Not really. A little bit. Anyway, that's why parents and those kind of people, third parties are really important because they'll catch you where you're starting a conversation mid-sentence instead of at the beginning. And Jen, as I mentioned on um, Friday on um, Andrea's talk, is I think this will be a really good tool for the grief support group um, for some things that may be later on down the road um, because we always talk about, Andrea always has us, what our purpose is as we transition out of group, um, what our purpose is. So I think this will be a really, really good tool uh, for that as well. About, yeah, her talk about purpose and that connection with those that have come before, that was just so powerful on Friday. Oh, that just, I thought so much about that over the weekend. I just kept thinking about, yeah, how we, how we take those relationships from people who we've lost and carry that forward. Yeah. I yeah, love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really love that. Yeah. And she is, she's a hell of a counselor, grief counselor. I really, really enjoyed that discussion. Yeah. She did. She did a wonderful job. I, I told her that you had tweeted on there what it was a you know, good show. It was such a good show. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, this is great. So tomorrow, Shelly will be here. She'll talk about um, job hunting or at least resumes and LinkedIn. We'll dive into that. And I want to thank everybody for coming today. A great show and I will see you tomorrow.